0: If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to James chapter 5. I'm going to go back to James this morning. We've detoured. We've done some other things that felt we needed to. And Last week, we, uh, we were able to, to think about new life in Jesus. And as we baptized, what a blessing and what a joy... And, uh, man, what a great day last Sunday was. And, and uh, we still got some more who are, who are uh, candidates for baptism, and so we'll be trying to set up a date very soon to baptize the, the remaining. I think we had eight who were baptized last Sunday and uh, had two more saved this week in day camp. And we rejoice in that and uh, just praise God. So. Uh, alright, now I'm gonna give you this disclaimer as we begin. This is not a text that I probably would have chosen. And, uh, I mean, and I can fault, you know, a lot of preachers for not preaching this text, but I've never preached this text. I may have passed over it at some point and, you know, and referenced it or read it or something, but I've never preached this text. And it's just not one that I would have probably chosen, but I felt like ultimately it was one that I needed to to address, so James chapter five, and James is a book of practical Christian experience, and uh, and I think it's very important for us as North American Christians to hear this word because we have a culture uh, that in many ways is very very wealthy. We have much, and you might not think, oh, I have, I don't have that much. But by the world standards, you have a lot. By the world standards, you have a great deal. So you might not consider yourself to be rich, but by many, many nation standards today, every one of us in here is a rich man or a rich woman or a rich young person or a rich boy or girl. And uh, so... You know, we're going to see a warning this morning about riches and wealth is not wrong. Money is not evil. Uh, I hear that sometimes. It's that's not. You know, that's that's twisting the scripture. Um, it's just a tool that God gives us, but we want to use it well. We want to use it rightly, and we want to be um, we want to be honoring the Lord first and foremost, above and, and beyond everything else. So let's look at these first six verses in chapter 5, James chapter 5. And if you found your place and you're able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word? Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth." You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just. And He doth not resist you. Well, Let's stop and pray together. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, I pray You bring light and truth to us today. And Lord Jesus, I pray that You will be lifted up and Lord, that we will love You more than money, more than wealth or property or anything else that might be in our hands, God. I pray that we will love You today with our whole heart. And I thank You for Jesus. And we, we rejoice together in His name. Amen. Let's be seated, please. You know, in the final part of chapter 4, we saw this um, probably... A month, six weeks ago now, um, we saw the 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 warning that James had about uh, planning and thinking ahead and how you're going to live your life. You know, um, he gives the same word of of um, of introduction there in chapter four, verse thirteen. Go to now. Same thing he uses chapter five and verse one, and and uh, he talks about people who say, "Oh, today or uh, tomorrow or." Next year, we're going to go and we're going to do business. We're going to have this going on and that going on. We're going to make money. We're going to do this. And, and he says, uh, you need to, you need to back up and you need to say if it's the Lord's will, we're going to do this or that, the other. If it's God's will, we're going to do these things. And so he's, he's, he's building this case that our lives are to be centered on God. We're to be so focused on the Lord that everything in our life revolves around the Lord Jesus Christ everything and when we get that off center when we get that off balance in our life what happens is you'll notice that we begin to we begin to wobble like that fan thank you Virginia we begin to wobble we begin to make noises and we began to, you know, we began to show the effects of what we're doing. And folks, when you put the Lord Jesus Christ at the center of your life, when you make Him the Lord of your life, and you put Him number one in your life, then everything else is going to flow around Him. And it doesn't mean that that everything will flow smoothly. It doesn't mean that everything is going to always be like you'd like it to be. But I can promise you there will be a peacefulness in that and there will be an order in that and there will be a joy even when you're going through hard things. Even when you're facing the worst conditions of of your life, um, God is able to, to do that. And so this morning we, we kind of move from that thought um, about people trying to make money and, and rejoicing, uh, boasting in this and, um, you know, and knowing to do good and doing it not, chapter 4, verse 17 says, He said that's a sin. And then He moves right into this thing about rich men. And so as we start this, you know, let's just remind ourselves, you know, in the in the time of Jesus, when Jesus spoke about the rich men and how hard it was for them to enter into heaven, remember the disciples' reaction? When Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven the disciples were astonished. They said, what? Well, if they're not going to heaven, who's going? Because they thought if a man is rich, that must be a sign of God's blessing. It must be a sign of God's approval. It must be that, boy, they are really close to God and so God has really blessed them. And Jesus said, no. 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 He said, with, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You know, what Jesus is saying is, Jesus is saying is, you know, with God, it's, it's even possible for a rich man to go to heaven. But the, the, the temptation is, as, as a person with wealth, with means, is that we begin to trust in our wealth. And we begin to trust in what we have. And what we can do and what we can produce. We begin to trust in our abilities and in our strengths and in the talents and the things that we have rather than in the Lord. And so, James says, and it's a very harsh warning, he says, Go to now ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Because ultimately, you know, we always hear that, that phrase, money cannot buy you happiness. But then we also usually hear some addition to that, but it sure can help, you know, or it sure does, you know. Well, um, here's the thing. We're here for a short time. We're here for a short time. I mean, this lifetime. You may think it's long. You may think, oh, when will I turn 12? I mean, I hear young people all the time. I'll say, how old are you? Well, I'm almost 14. I have yet to hear someone say, well, I'm almost 54. (laughs) haven't heard that. You know, at a certain point, almost... Okay, here's one. It says almost 62. Uh, well, but she's never grown up anyway. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a, there's a change that happens as we, as we get older. We, we quit looking forward to, to growing older and we start hiding our age, some of us, and not wanting to share that or divulge that. And, and we get work done. Sorry, but you know, it happens. We, we try to fix things and we try to look better than you know what we really are. And, and uh, you know, we're here for a short time. That's not a, a bad thing. But what we need to realize is this is only one small part of our life. This life. I mean, it's, yes, it's all we know right now. But God didn't make you for time. God made you for eternity. God created you and He put eternity in your hearts. He gave you a longing for something more. He gave you a longing to know Him and a longing, a desire to have the needs of your heart fulfilled and met. And the good thing is that every longing that God puts in your heart, there is a righteous fulfillment of that longing. There is a good fulfillment of that. There's something that will 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 satisfy that, you know, when you get that longing for here I go again vanilla ice cream yeah I'm sorry all these ladies looking at me preacher that's just not right we're doing this fitness class and uh, okay well forgive me um, one of my many failings but man look um, God creates us with some longings and some desires and they're good things many of them most of them some of them get perverted and pushed into a wrong area. But there are righteous fulfillments of those desires and they're good things and God's blessed us. and So that's all good. But, But folks, we're only here for a while. Don't live as though this is your entire existence. Don't think that this is your life. This is just the warm-up. This is just the, 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 the trial run, if you will. This is just the introduction. And one of these days, you're going to really begin living. And so don't feel pressure to make money. Don't feel pressure to have stuff. Don't feel pressure to, to conform to society's expectations. And don't feel pressured to dress like this other kid or act like this other person or do what other people do. And there's peer pressure at every stage of life. I don't care if you're fixing to go to the nursing home. There's still some peer pressure involved in that. Don't succumb to that stuff. No matter where it comes at you or how it attacks you. But realize, when we focus on wealth, remember the warning of James. He says, weep and howl. That word howl, that's the only place it's used in the New Testament. Weep and howl. I mean, it's a demonstrative show of of grief and mourning. Because he says misery is coming upon you. And notice verse 2, he says, Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. And the world says, oh, you've got to have this and you've got to dress like this and you've got to get your hair like this and you've got to have all this stuff. And it's empty. It's not important. And I just want to encourage you to focus on the things that are eternal. Focus on the things that matter. You say, well, what's going to last? What's going to last beyond this life? Well, I'll tell you one thing that's going to last beyond this life, Jeremiah, is the souls of men and women and young people and boys and girls. That's going to last. And that's worth your effort. That's worth your labor. That's worth everything you can do to reach out to people and to love them and to pray for them and to share Jesus with them and to bring them to Christ. Well, but notice verse 3. He says, your gold and silver, it's cankered. He says, what's happening there is it's It's corroding. And this corrosion, uh, it's going to literally eat away at your flesh like it was fire. Now, I realize um, we've got some preachers today who will preach a gospel of prosperity. But I want to say to you, preach the word of god preach the whole counsel of the word of god don't don't get caught up on one passage or one subject or one thing preach the whole word of god and so man we got you know and today in our in our culture we've got a lot of things that are that are going on that we could address we could talk about some of the corporate issues that we get into with companies that that we buy from but who support things we don't agree with, and I think it's important for us as believers, whenever we see that, whenever we know that, to do our best not to support places that you know uh, build up and and strengthen causes that we don't believe in. Uh, for example, you know, abortion or or you know, homosexual rights or what, you know, any of those. Whatever it is, there's all kinds of things, and today it's become fashionable. It's become, it's become uh, politically and socially, and and in business, it's become correct to do these things. And I want to encourage you when you find those places, and they're out there. You'll you'll find them in every major corporation. If you've got a cell phone or if you've uh, bought a vehicle, uh, you're probably dealing with a company that's run by a bunch of sinners. Well. When you get down to it, every one of them is run by a bunch of sinners. So, you know, but where you can, if you can, make a difference. Make a difference. And uh, um, because that's one that's one thing that, that folks will listen to sometimes is their their bottom line. They will pay attention. If they know that, that folks aren't going to support uh, what they're supporting, well, he says, your gold and silver is canker, is corroded. And you've heaped together treasure for the last days. And then he says, the, 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 the laborers that you've hired to work your fields, you've, you've defrauded them and, and they are crying out against you because of what you've done. Now, this should simply not be as Christians. You know, it should not, it should never be as Christians that we would do business in any other way than by the highest standard. Either as an employee or as an employer. Employers should never cheat their employees. But employees should never cheat their employers either. It works both ways. And in all of that, employer, employee, the one thing that we find is that if you're in Christ... You work, you serve, you do as though you're serving Jesus Himself. Whether you're the boss or you're the lowest man on the totem pole. You do your job like you're doing it for Jesus. If you're in school, you do that assignment as though you're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. That the only smile I got out was Charlie. And I'm not sure she followed the whole process there. Well, he said there are a lot of there's a lot of unjust things, and there are many examples uh, in this day, in this time. But let me just point you to a uh, a story that, that reminds us. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And notice in particular, verse 19. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. And Jesus gave this story of this man right here. And He says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. I mean, he had it all. He was rich. He had the clothes. He had the food. He had the lifestyle. Everything. The best that it could possibly be. But I think as we read the story, we we understand the problem with that. Verse 20, And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table whereover the dogs came and licked his sores. You know, the the contrast here could hardly be stronger between this rich man who has everything, who's who is so wealthy and and every need is met in the finest way, and a beggar. And a beggar. And this beggar is sick. He's tired. He's hungry. And all he's looking for is to find a few scraps off the rich man's table. Because he knows that, that there's more food wasted there. I was reading... This week said Americans on average waste $200 worth of food every month. He was just looking for some scraps, and it was so bad, Grant, that the dogs were the only ones who cared enough to come and even pay any attention to him. And they came and licked his sores. The only medical attention he got were from the dogs. He was dying out in front of the rich man's gate. And then notice verse 22, And it came to pass that the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee therefore that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Well, here we have the story, an example of a man who is so caught up in his wealth. And James could be speaking to lost people here. He could be speaking to, to saved people here. This man certainly was lost because he he became so focused on money. He became so uh, so closely attached to, to things that that was all he cared about. That was what he loved. And so when he died, his soul was completely unprepared for eternity. He died and He went to hell. And today He's still in hell. Today He's still reaping what He sowed in those years on this earth. And folks, I'm just going to say to you that you're going to reap what you're sowing in this lifetime. For all of eternity, you're going to reap what you're sowing. And thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ came to pay the price for our sins so that we could be saved and we could be forgiven and we could have heaven as our home. And we don't have to, to go to hell. We don't have to go to hell. Thank God that that's true. But oh, you're going to reap what you sow. Now, I thank God that my sins are forgiven and I'm saved. And if today, if I will sow to the things of the Spirit, I'm going to reap the blessings of the Spirit. And I believe that that is true in this lifetime, but it's going to extend beyond this lifetime. And if you're serving the Lord, I believe you're going to be blessed by that now, here and now, but you're going to be blessed for that for the rest of eternity. But my friend, if you don't have Christ in your heart, if you've never been saved, if you've, for whatever reason, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've never repented of your sins and turned to Him for salvation, then you're going to reap what you've sown all the years of your life. But you're going to reap it for all of eternity. Because that rich man looked out across the way there and he saw Lazarus and at that point he was really sorry. But it was too late. He really wanted to do something different at that point, and he could not. And all he could do was say, Well, could Lazarus just come and have mercy on me and just, just bring it just a little drop of water on the tip of his finger and place it on my tongue. I've been thirsty before, but I don't think I've ever been that thirsty. It was too late. Folks, I want to say to you this life is short. And one of these days we're going to enter into our real life. We're going to go to heaven. And we're going to experience life as God intended it to be. And we're going to serve Him. We're going to be His servants, the Bible says. He's going to have a job for you. Some of you weren't looking for a job. But this is a job that you were created for. This is a job that you're going to love. And you'll have the best boss ever. This is a job that you're going to get such enjoyment out of. And I don't know, but you know, I believe that the best, the greatest pieces of, of music have yet to be written. The greatest works of art have yet to be painted. The greatest books ever have yet to be written. And I don't know if the Lord has any dairy farms up there or not, Brother Gary. I think He's hoping not. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be looking for a new job. I hope so. But oh I wanna tell you, you weren't made for this life. Don't let it become the focus. Don't don't keep your eyes on this you know, I look at, at people sometimes when, when I hear people say, Oh, pray for so and so. This this person's really suffering, they're in pain, they're they're probably dying and they're 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 really going through a hard time and, and I thought many times about that because I thought, you know, boy, the Lord has to really work. He has to really work to pry our fingers, pry our hands off of this life. We get so attached. It's like a toddler who's got that toy and they're not going to give it up. I don't care. And you just literally got to pry, pull those fingers loose and take that thing away that they're going to kill themselves with in just a couple of minutes. I think sometimes that's how the Lord is with us. He's got to pry our fingers loose from this life because we get so attached. Well, yes, it's what we know, but folks, read the Bible. Study the Bible. Learn the Bible because it tells you that there's so much more. It gives you the understanding that we're not created for this life. We're created for eternity. God has your real life waiting for you. Don't invest in this life. Invest in eternity. Don't pour yourself into riches here. Pour yourself, pour your riches into eternity because everything that you pour into eternity, you'll still have someday but everything you use up here it's gone forever it's done never going to see it again I want to encourage you this morning to begin to seek the Lord and ask him to help you to live your entire life to readjust I mean look at your life look at your spending look at where you shop look at the things you buy Look at the vacations you take. Look at everything in your life and say, God, how can I honor You with what You give me? The Bible says that everything belongs to Him. If you have wealth today, you can say this, it all belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24.1 Everything is His. The gold and the silver are His. The Bible says He even owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all His. But He gives it to us to manage. And he you're His manager. The Bible calls it a steward. And a steward is someone who has things that's been given to Him to use and to manage, but they don't belong to Him. And I want to encourage you to, to take that perspective. To say, God, everything I have is yours. And I want to honor you with it. I want to use it for your glory and for your kingdom. Because I believe that's why He's blessed us. Our nation. Us individually like He has. He's blessed us so that we can be a blessing in the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads. I think the the main thought that I, I would want you to consider as we close is just that God has so much more for you than just a paycheck. God has so much more for you than just a retirement. God has so much more for you than the stuff of this life. And I want you to embrace it. I want you to I want you to embrace Him. His answers for every need in your heart and your life. He has it. He is able. If today, if you've never been saved, I want to invite you to start there. You need Christ in your life. You need Jesus. The Bible says we've all sinned and messed up. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. It says that the wages of sin is death. But Christ died on the cross for you and for me. He paid that price so that you could be saved. He took your place. And if today you'll receive him by faith, you can be eternally forgiven, saved. Do you like that? Open up your heart to him. From your heart, I mean from the depths of your being, cry out to him and say, Oh God, I need you. I'm lost. I don't deserve You. God, I've sinned against You, but Lord, today I turn to You in faith and repentance. God, save me. Forgive me. Change me. Tell Him. Cry out to Him. And the second part of that is confessing. Believe in your heart, but confess Let others know. You can do it today. If you prayed that prayer. If you prayed a prayer right there, right then. If you're about to. But there's some of us as Christians that we just need God's help. Because this old world is so full of traps. Money's one of them. The love of money is the root of all evil. I want to encourage you today to allow the Spirit of God to bring correction, to bring you right back into the place you need to be with Him. If God's speaking to your heart, I invite you, Christian, my brother, my sister, go to Him now. You can come to this altar if you need to. If you feel led to come, that's fine. Make an altar where you are. but Hear from the Lord and then... Answer His call. Father, we want to do life as You'd have us to. Lord, we want to live for eternity. We want to live for Your kingdom. Lord, not just for this life and what we get out of it now. So Father, wherever we've failed in that, wherever we've been misguided and we've missed Your mark, forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us and wash us. Oh, Father, I pray You'd help us to, to turn to You and allow You to, to clean us up to change our priorities, Lord, as needed. Father, I pray for any person here who doesn't have a relationship with You. God, give them grace right now to cry out to You to tell You from their heart that they need You.